Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans. I'm Joel. I'm Kim. And on today's Tour Finals catch-up, Medvedev overcomes Dominic Team to win his first Tour Finals crown. Kulhoff and Mektic capture the doubles title on their debut. And are the big three set for a changing of the guard after semi-final exits for Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal? Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Kim, what a weekend of tennis we have had at the ATP Tour Finals. Perhaps three of the highest quality matches we've had this season in the singles. Really, really entertaining stuff. The doubles as well has given us some really excellent, high quality matches. And really, it's been an absolutely fitting, fitting tribute, I'd say, to London, which, you know, is in its final Well, We've just had its, its final event there. I know it's it's what's also really fitting though Joel um on Twitter I saw this excellent stat um which said that on the 22nd of November 2009 the very first match at this event which was then known as the World Tour Finals um which you know as everyone uh, who's been listening long knows we we keep calling it that basically um and on the same date 22nd of November 11 years later the very last match is played and on both occasions, um, well, both events, um, the, a Russian has won. So we had Davidenko back in 2009 in the inaugural event in London, beating Del Potro in that final. And then here we've had Daniel Medvedev taking home the title, um, defeating Dominic Team, And both Del Potro and Team were the US Open champions from that very year. So I thought that was a... It's a very nice symmetrical, you know, start and finish. Comes full circle, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's been, it's been fascinating because, it, it, you know, tennis has changed, you know, over that period. You know, the fact that we were, the Davidenko was the inaugural champion, it just shows you how much, you know, things have changed. You know, we had that, you know, we did have that period where it felt like, you know, the big three were dominating but the last six years we've had six we've had six different champions um really hard for some reason uh it's a really hard um title to win uh win back to back to defend it and again this year we would we were um consigned to having a first time champion with our two finalists daniel medvedev dominic team both uh coming through epic coming semi-finals against novak Djokovic and rafael nadal which we will touch on but let's kind of talk about the singles final first of all i mean 
it was an absolutely fantastic match. Medvedev kind of coming through four six seven six six four. You know, it was it was very close. I think you know there was what three points I think separated in terms of points won. And you know, although Medvedev won, I felt like he it took a bit of time for him to get going. And team, I felt like he did sort of carry on his level from the semi final. Yeah, I think for the first half of the match, I always felt that team had like the upper edge, um, you know, up until kind of midway through that second set. And and even when they went into that tie break, you know, I thought, well, Dominic team's got a really good record in tie breaks. You know, we were talking about that the other day as well. And he went to love up and I thought, oh, he's good. He's going to clinch this. I think for me, he, he was just perhaps the more co- consistent player in that first phase of the match. Um, but then, you know, Medvedev just really turned it on and, um, you know, won, well, seven points in a row to to clinch the tie break and um and then one once it went into the third set well i mean he was just had had the edge didn't he he was he was always the one um kind of pressuring dominic team serve and and once he got that break really you know team team got close didn't he in in immediately the game after but um yeah it, medvedev was just able to change it up so much and and tactically kind of outwit Dominic team I think um I think he he adapted really well as the match went on and just managed to outlast team and you know team's a very difficult player to do that against so full credit to to Medvedev yeah I mean we've seen over this week that Medvedev has a fantastic tennis brain I think it's always sort of working whilst he's on the tennis court and I think this match today kind of showed you that tennis brain in action because he definitely started slower than team but he was kind of able to to figure it out and and I think what's so compelling about watching you know Dominic uh, sorry watching Daniel Medvedev as a fan is that he could as you said he could just turn it on at any at any moment and it was that it was that second set tiebreak where he was just kind of like okay I'm going to raise my level here and the momentum really kind of shifted from that point on um you know you felt you know with with team and where his kind of chance was it was for me it was really kind of three all in that second set he was kind of shouting on court he sensed you know that was his moment and he wasn't able to take it and it it got to a tie break and 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 Medvedev came through and then he came through kind of that third set and he really he really was kind of impressive in in that third set and you know it was just kind of a fascinating kind of two and two and throw and I, I think what was impressive was the fact that he didn't he didn't allow team to play so much with his kind of devastating single-handed backhand. I felt it was a lot more, it was a lot more kind of slice. There's a lot more slicing going on from, from Dominic team side when it came to his backhand and he kind of took out that, he was able to kind of take out that threat and yeah, he just kind of, he just kind of played lights out tennis and um, Dominic's team's, I think forehand as well was kind of a bit misfiring in that third set as well. And it just, just resulted in, in Medvedev kind of coming through and winning his, his first tour finals. Yeah, I think Dominic team was taking a leaf out of, out of Rafa's book from yesterday because Rafa was playing a lot of slice. Um, and actually that was proving to be quite successful against Medvedev in, in that initial phase of the semi-final as well. And it was almost like the final today was actually very similar to that match against Rafa yesterday, um, in the semi-final, you know, in terms of Medvedev being able to turn it around, you know, second set tie break and then coming through finishing stronger in the end and you know Medvedev is slightly you know he's he's quite a different player he's quite um 
I guess unconventional at times, you know, and I thought, you know, he's, he's, they're both entertaining players to watch, but I think his, um, his ability today to kind of really change it up. Um, and you know, all week he's been doing that and, and he's undefeated. So he's, he's just on such a strong phase. And we know from what he did last year that he is one of those players that once he's got that groove going, he can, he can really go some and, and what he's won, you know, how many matches has he won now in a row? I want to say 10, 11, yeah. 7. I don't know. No, five this, five this week and five um, in Paris, I, I would assume. So 10, 10 matches in a row. And, you know, he's beaten for the first time, actually, for someone at this event, the top three players in the world to win the title, um, which just goes to show that the, the results he's carving out at the moment, you know, if he can keep this up, then then there's no stopping him. And surely it's only a matter of time before he would win his first slam if he can replicate this at a Grand Slam stage, which we've already seen him performing, you know, at this level, um, like the US Open final last year, but he just couldn't quite get over the finish line then. But I think it shows that he's he's already like learning from from that experience. I mean, why do you think he, at the moment, it feels that he's a bit he is a bit hot and cold and when he's hot, he's really hot, but you know, he's gone through, a, you know, quite kind of large stretches of this season, um, quite indifferent and cold sort of thorn. Why, why do you kind of think that is? Do you think he just kind of gets into a groove and, you know, once he is, is playing sort of very high quality players back to back, he can just kind of zone in and, and kind of focus on it. Whereas, you know, does he have trouble kind of, beating the, the lower ranked players i'm i'm not too sure but it, it feels like yeah he is this is definitely something he needs to work on is that is that consistency and not being able to just kind of do it and, and piece it together over you know two or three tournaments or so in, in a season yeah although i think when it comes to consistency we've been quite um we've got used to you know Djokovic, Rafa, you know, Federer, who are, you know, the most consistent players like that ever probably existed, um, you know, especially in recent times. So perhaps there won't be anyone who will be as consistent as those guys for, for quite a while. You know, perhaps again, it kind of goes back to that. Are we actually comparing everyone to, you know, this extremely high level and maybe it's not realistic for them to kind of achieve what the big three have achieved, you know, in every aspect of their game. Um, but I mean, you know, Medvedev, I thought today, actually, his attitude was much more positive than than maybe what I saw from Dominic Team. Like, Team seemed to be getting a lot more worked up. Um, he was constantly kind of berating himself at times. I think because he felt, you know, really frustrated, obviously, that he maybe wasn't making the most of the momentum he had at the start. Um and, you know, I could kind of almost see the thought process is in his mind. You know, he was, he was annoyed at himself, but then, you know, instantly he was kind of like, no, let's like, come on, we can do this. But I don't know. Maybe he should have not expressed that so, so much. Maybe it would help if he was just a bit more controlled, um, externally with, with his kind of emotions on court. I just felt like I don't normally see him get quite so riled like I saw today. Do you think he felt like he was the he was the favourite kind of going into that match? I mean, the fact that he, I think he, you know, he had a superior head to head record. I think he was kind of leading it three one. I think going into the match, um, you know, the fact that he was obviously a you know he's a Grand Slam champion, um, which he kind of achieved at the US Open, and you know we saw at the US Open he handled that sort of favourite tag very well once. 
you know, Novak Djokovic exit, exited Flushing Meadow. Do you think kind of this tournament, you know, it, 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 the pressure of, you know, the expectation you felt, okay, look, the you know, finish line's in sight here. I've got another potential uh, first first trophy, the Tour Finals, in my grasp. Do you think the pressure potentially got to him? Maybe. I mean, it wasn't sort of... Um... I mean, he didn't play like as, as I would say, as poorly as he did in like the, the first part of the US Open final where, you know, the quality was, was quite bad from, from both players, I suppose, really at times in that match. You know, he certainly was much more on it in this final. I, I don't think it was a case of the pressure getting to him. I just feel like, you know, he got to the final last year, didn't he, and lost to Sitspass. So I think he was just putting so much um, pressure on himself rather than pressure from outside because to be honest going into the final most people were probably saying it's probably 50 50 as to who was going to win you know Medvedev hasn't lost a match all week so I don't think you know team was by any means the overwhelming favorite so I don't think he should have felt that sort of um, pressure I just think he's got such high standards for where he wants to kind of be going with his career now after this amazing season that he's put together um, but I, I still think, you know, there's plenty of time. Like he doesn't need to rush it per se. I think he's looking like completely, in, you know, in a, in a very strong position for next season. And like you mentioned uh, in our last pod, you know, in terms of the rankings as well, where he's he's got his eye on on going up to number two in the world and, and eventually number one. And, uh, you know, I think he, he doesn't need to, to panic if it doesn't happen immediately because... You know, the top two are <laughs> exceptional and it's, you know, it's going to take some going. And, uh, you know, like talking about the semi-finals, Joel, obviously, you know, Novak and Rafa lost and instantly, you know, there's kind of chatter about, oh, is this finally it? The changing of the guard. But it, it I don't know. It's not, I don't think you can say, yes, it's happening this, this week, like now. It, it's just, you know, we know that both of those players can, can lose to team and Medvedev. Like they've, they've lost to them before. I mean, Rafa hadn't lost to Medvedev before, but I don't think these, um, losses on their own are, are surprising for me. <laughs> I think though, you've got to, I think, you know, you have to kind of appreciate that. I think, you know, both Medvedev and team both beat Djokovic and Nadal in the same mm. tournament. Yeah, which... the fact that they both managed to do it is is the impressive bit, I suppose, rather than it just being one or the other. Yeah. And I think you know, again, I was kind of I was reading that um Medvedev, I think I think is the first person to go win at an event uh, after beating Djokovic and Nadal since Vavrinka in 2014 at the Australian Open. So it's something that doesn't happen very often um but i do think we're getting to a time where you know these players are entering the prime you know the prime of their career certainly with with dominic team nadal and djokovic are slowly slowly in you know on the way out they are in the the twilight i think of their careers so i feel like you know particularly with this season the kind of dominic team's record i mean he's now got I think since tw- you know start of twenty nineteen, he's now got a positive head to head record against the big three, and I feel like you know I wonder with fans whether you know we're still kind of you know some fans I think are still kind of surprised perhaps by these results, but I think for fans who potentially follow the tour you know the whole year round, 
these results for me are not as surprising as potentially they you know maybe would be a few a few a few seasons ago no absolutely i think like we know what they're capable of and like you said team has beaten like the top you know the big three i mean federer's obviously not in the top three anymore um he's beaten them multiple times he's got you know great great records over them in in terms of the matches they played in the last like 18 months so yeah it's it's perhaps surprising to non-tennis fanatics but to those that kind of yeah like you said follow it all year long um it's not so much and I mean, I as a Rafa fan, I was a bit disappointed, obviously, that Rafa wasn't able to to make the final. You know, this I did feel was his best opportunity. It's the best I think I've seen him play at this event. Um, you know, and I, I think a large part is that he's, you know, come in so much fresher. He's got, you know, a much more versatile game than he did back in 2009 when he first played this event, for example. And, you know, he genuinely, Rafa, you know, he served for the match yesterday against Medvedev. You know, a few points here and there, he, you know, he could have knocked out Medvedev perhaps. But, um, you know, Medvedev clung on there and and Rafa I think you know would be would be sort of ruining um a little bit the fact that he didn't kind of just nail that last game um but hey ho fair play fair play to Medvedev you know it can't be met too many times when Nadal has lost from a position of of serving mm. for the match um, yeah. again it was it was very surprising and the manner of it as well I think you know it was it was over it was in it was over by flash I think Medvedev went love 40 up within like you know, a minute or so, and um, you know, it was it 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 had it, it had turned on its head, kind of completely, and really, those semi-finals, I think, were a tale of kind of the t- the tie breaks and and playing who played the um, you know, the the most significant most significant points better. Um, just talking about that, Dom- the Dominic team Novak Djokovic match. I mean, that final set tie break, Djokovic was four love up, and you know, we talk about you know. Positions that we you know expect kind of Nadal and Djokovic to see a victory out from. Well, Nadal wasn't able to do so from you know in that in that second set from serving from it, and Djokovic wasn't able to um, you know get the get the win from four love up in a tiebreak. And you know we've talked about you know a few times his kind of impeccable tiebreak record this season, but um, yeah, it just made it very it just made it very very shocking. Yeah, I mean, I that Djokovic team semi, I, I wasn't able to watch um, most of it live. So I was live scoring and that <laughs> second set tie break, uh, you know, it was like, oh, it's four, four all, six, six all. And then I went back, kept back, going back to look at my phone, eight all, nine all, <laughs> ten all. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? Um, and, you know, I was like, I didn't know just initially from looking at my, my phone um, who had had, you know, set points or match points. And I was like, well... There's, there's got to have been some match points here. Um, and as we know, Dominic team had four and didn't take them. And yeah, when Novak went fall of up in, in the last set, I wrote, which I, I was home for, um, I thought, oh, here we go. Like he's got this now. And, you know, and then team just absolutely turned it on and played sensational. So yeah, that was a really, really tight, tight tussle. And I thought it was interesting in the, I think in that sort of, in the interview afterwards team was talking about you know you just uh, four love down he just went for it and it and it came off and he won and um it, it reminds me that um i think it was kind of djokovic or it might have been team kind of saying that the you know the hardest 
player to play in in a tie or the hardest sort of opponent to play in a tie break is is a player who who's got nothing to lose against you and in that situation it obviously felt like Dominic team had nothing to lose played a bit more freely and it came off for him um interestingly that sort of philosophy translates to lower ranked players when they play higher ranked players they could just you know potentially just kind of you know be like okay i've got nothing to lose here and maybe dominic team was in that in that situation of course you know it is still you still got to do the the job and you know you can you you can free swingly and you and you could you know you could, could have lost it you know in you know and and not won it but you know the fact that he was able to kind of free himself a bit and put himself up a level from such a you know really kind of bringing himself back from the brink it was a really impressive it was a really impressive um tiebreak and it just shows you i think with team that even though he you know lost in the final against medvedev he certainly is he is certainly now playing some of the best tennis so far in his career and he's surely going to reach new heights next season yeah, if he if he plays the Australian Open, which we'll get onto in a bit, you know, you've got to see him making the final, surely. Uh, you know, obviously mm. made the final this year, but you know, you'd have to see him right up there. I you know, it'd be really hard to look past Dominic Team for getting to the latter stages of of kind of pretty much every slam, maybe maybe not Wimbledon just yet. Just talking about Medvedev, can we just say if he's going to go and win the ATP Tour Finals or a Grand Slam or, or whatever it is in the future, he needs to work on his celebration. I think he just doesn't have us. It does. He just like he's just so cool and casual. Just like walks to the net. <laughs> no lying on the floor or sort of. No, there's no sort of you know, motion to the knee. crowd. Sort of, you know. Well, there is no crowd though, Joel. So well, I mean, he's, not, <laughs> I mean, he's like doesn't do the hand gestures that the Djokovic does. He just kind of walks, he just like hits a ball, hits the ball away in his pocket and just kind of walks in it. I feel like he needs to work on that. Well, maybe he can, um, maybe we can have a whole episode devoted to celebrations and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, well, I think Kulhoff and Mektic probably had a more exciting celebration than, uh, than Medvedev because they won the doubles event, didn't they, Joel, on a match tie break? against Jürgen Meltzer and Edouard Roger Vasselin. So yeah, Kulhoff and Mektic, first time at this event. Um, and this is their debut season together as well. They won the, the final 6-2, 4-6 and then 10-5 in the match tie break. So probably that final actually was not really expected because obviously Meltzer and Roger Vasselin were the last to qualify and, and rushed over from um, Sofia to, to, you know, to play this event. And, you know, Mektic, Kulhoff, they were the fifth seeds, hadn't actually um, won any of their finals this year. You know, they lost at the US Open final, they lost in Marseille. So I guess it was a case of third time lucky to, and to take this this event, you know, it's obviously probably for both of them, the biggest win of their of their career. And I she, I think, well, I think they're going to be splitting up because I, I think that Mektic is going off to, to partner Pavic. So it's a nice end to to their one and only season together, I suppose, Joel. Yeah, and it's a nice end as well, I think, for Jürgen Meltzer, who actually announced his retirement uh, following the match. And yeah, it's a really kind of... I mean, he he was playing in the day... I, I was kind of growing up with tennis, kind of watching him in singles, in actually. In the singles, against, yeah. Yeah, against like, uh, Tim, Tim Hemman. I, c- I can remember those sorts of matches and it's it's amazing his longevity actually that he's still playing in in 2020 but uh, yeah again another fitting end for a, a top player in uh 
Dragon Meltzer in in 2020. Um, I mean that the double. Let's just kind of talk about doubles very quickly because I mean ten of the fifteen matches in total um, at the the tour finals all went to a match tiebreak. So it was a very extremely kind of competitive um competitive field very much like the singles and um it was it was very very entertaining i think only, for, only you can say from a british point of view it was just disappointing that joe salisbury and rajiv ram were so close they were so close to getting to that final and i don't think they will want to be reminded of their their match tiebreak in their semi-final yeah, they were seven one down in the match tiebreak against Meltzer and Roger Vasilan and seven one up. Oh, sorry, seven one up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could have been seven one down. That would have been fantastic. But, uh, sorry, but, yeah. seven one up. So from that position, you know, generally speaking, especially in a match tiebreak, which is first to ten, you know, you think, oh, yeah, home and dry almost now. And obviously, um, I think was it they just needed to get to the final in order to to claim the year end um, doubles team world ranking number one um but as it happens see, they didn't so that goes to Mate Pavic and Bruno Suarez who again are another team that are splitting up um but yeah I mean Joe Salisbury will be quite disappointed I think but they still generally speaking had a had a great tournament and in qualifying you know through to the semis and and like you said they'll, like, be, back. they'll be back and um Hopefully they'll be able to build on you know their success they've had this year, winning the Australian Open, you know, going into next year. But like the doubles matches, yeah, they've been a lot more competitive and open this year. And actually the singles matches as well. I think we've seen a higher quality of tennis and a more competitive um, field than we have in, in previous years. And I think a large a part of that must just be because the players generally are so much fresher and rested coming in uh, compared to a normal, you know, long grinding season. Um, which perhaps just goes to show that there is a real argument for kind of less is more on the tour um, going forwards. I mean, let's just kind of look at the the tournament. Uh, you know, it's coming to an end in London. It's going to Turin next season. This for me felt like one of the it felt like one of the um, the best uh, editions that's been that's been put on because of the the level of the the matches that, that you know that we have seen. I mean, this weekend the the three singles matches in particular have been were such high quality in the semi-finals and finals so much drama even without a crowd it was absolutely fantastic i mean i think we did have you know a couple of, of dub matches you know we talked about the fact that you know it felt like there were dead rubbers you know that team um you know the, the team loss uh to rublev, rublev. Uh, specifically i mean it, it felt though like overall though it was just a fantastic it still felt like it was a fantastic send off for the for the tour finals, despite all of the you know the challenges that the you know the current situation has has put has put up. Yeah, and as a fan, you know, being there in person in previous years and watching from home, like it's been a really well you know put together event. And Turin will certainly have a lot to follow next year in terms of the staging and the atmosphere that's created. Um, I really have always loved the, you know, when it comes to break point, the that goes around the, the arena. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Uh, but I, I this year, Joel, I haven't heard London Calling being used for their, their walk on court, which I'm quite pleased about because that was so repetitive and they used it year after year. <laughs> David Bowie Heroes, another, yeah. another classic. Oh, and I was like, get some different tunes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to, surely they're going to, they're going to mix it up for Turin. They'll get another DJ or something to, uh, some Italian, uh, 
Volare yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, it's been so nice having it in London and, uh, yeah, we'll bid it a, a fond farewell and, and maybe we'll get to, to Turin to see it in person one day as well. One can hope. But, uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break now, uh, but I hope you can join us in the second half when we're going to be looking and talking about the Australian Open next season, as well as kicking off our crowdfunding campaign by launching our rewards. Don't go anywhere. This is The Passing Shot. You're joined by Joel and Kim, and we are going to move on to talking about... Already, Kim, we're going to be talking about next season because there's been a lot of conversation uh, this week, uh, particularly with the first Grand Slam of the year, the Australian Open, which traditionally is held in January. Well, um, the the, the kind of the, the talk at the moment from Australia, and in particular from the state of Victoria, where... Uh, Melbourne is in um, is is one that suggests that the date is not fi- is not a lock. It's not fixed, and it could potentially be moving. Yeah, there's been reports that it could be moved to either March or April. Um, Tennis Australia are negotiating with like the state government in Victoria, and I, essentially, I think the issue is that um, there's a, a regulation at the moment that the any tennis players arriving. Um, wouldn't be arri- wouldn't be able to arrive until like the very end of December, beginning of January. Um, and they've got to do a two week quarantine upon arrival, whereby I don't think they could even go out and practice. I like, literally have to stay in one room. Um, and that's obviously going to cause major issues for the Australian Open, which is due to start um essentially i think it's like on the 15th or 17th of jan yeah. um that qualifying kind of, before that as well yeah exactly so there just wouldn't be time so obviously if you're a tennis player you want to get there like mid december so you can um have your two weeks and then you can start um you know playing and practicing from early jan and you know i guess the idea was that they were going to have all of the uh, Australian tennis events in the state of Victoria so they didn't need to cross state boundaries because at, at the moment that's forbidden um, because of COVID so they were going to host I assume they were going to think about hosting like ATP Cup uh, like the Brisbane event um, Sydney whatever and and have that all all down and maybe the Hobart women's event I don't know well they were all going to have that in Victoria um, or at least a selection of them but that just there's no way that's going to be able to happen if you're imposing this quarantine and then the AO's happening like from mid Jan. So I guess they were thinking timeline wise, it would be better to put the AO back. Um, but then if you put it back too much, you know, it's just going to mess up the rest of the the season. You know, if you're looking at March, that's the sunshine double. You know, what what are Indian Wells and Miami going to do then? And then if you're going into April, that's the start of the clay season. So. I, I don't know. <laughs> what is the solution, Joel? It's not clear at the moment. It's just an indication that the, mm. you know, we've, we've managed to, well, the ATP and, you know, the WTA and all the governing bodies, they've done, you know, a fantastic job in being able to put some sort of season uh, together post uh, the, you know, the pause, um, post the kind of pandemic pause, um, which has been great. But it just shows you that the, you know, the season next season is, is, is not, is not clear and it's not, not defined. And although it sounds like we are 100% going to get an Australian Open, we are not sure when it's going to take place. And it, it feels like, you know, we've already seen over the last kind of few months the, 
you know, the situation, particularly in Melbourne, which have, you know, gone through a lockdown and have had high rates of, um, you know, COVID positive, uh, people. And, you know, there's going to be, there is that feed. They've probably, you know, as a government, they're obviously nervous about bringing in lots of tennis players from all around the world, um, into one location where, you know, they've had, you know, managed to kind of, sort the situation get it under control and they're probably thinking hang on if all these tennis players are coming in to to melbourne are we we're just going to be shooting ourselves in the foot in in terms of you know having a potential having a potential outbreak um and i think that is where the you know that is where the the tension is is coming in and it, it it's really fascinating because it does kind of throw up that debate on you know is sport uh, is is sport a privilege sorry is sport is tennis a privilege that we can we can afford at the moment and can we afford it in australia can we afford it in victoria and i feel like the government feel like the government are saying no um and the you know the tennis bodies are probably saying yes and then some of the players are either in a bit in between yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is that the US Open and the French Open both went ahead. I know the French was obviously moved, but um, both of them went ahead. And I'm not an expert on this, but I don't think Australia, like their rates, I know Victoria has been the worst hit state. I don't think the rates in Victoria have been as bad as New York or Paris, like when both of those events were actually held. Um, I know that like, lockdown in Melbourne has been one of the harshest um but in terms of and, and probably the harshest in comparison to the the rates that they were having I, I don't know don't quote me on that but the way I see it is that they've proven now of the number of events that we've had on the tour that generally speaking there's a safe way to put on a tennis event and you have your bubble you enforce your bubble and you make sure everyone sticks to the rules I don't see why they can't just replicate that in Australia and if they're really concerned about players breaking the rules of the bubble and going out into the city, then just make a, a very, very strict bubble where there is criminally enforceable, um, you know, sanctions that come into effect if you break the rules of the bubble. And if the players aren't happy about the strictness and the severity of that, then they don't go there and they don't play it. I, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm being a bit harsh. You really but want I, this to, yeah. I just really want the AO to happen. Yeah. Um, but I don't see how having it in March is going to be any different from having it really in January. I can see why they might want to delay it by like maybe a month to just allow the players to, you know, if they're, if they're forbidding them to come from like December, I can see them allowing it, uh, delaying it like a couple of weeks, a month, but to, to go into March and April, I don't see if, if they're, if the delay is because of them worried about a sudden outbreak, it's like, we used still potentially going to get that in March if you have them all flying over for the for the event I don't know <laughs> you know I don't know for example uh, like vaccines for example there's been a lot of kind of uh, conversations about you know vaccines at the moment and whether you know buy potentially they just trying to bide as much time as possible you know and so they can get some more sort of uh, you know information on you know whether maybe a, va- a vaccine becomes available i don't i don't know but the it, it sounds like at the moment the the date that we've all uh, as fans have kind of expected to be for the australian open in in mid jan is just a bit too it's a bit too close to 
the start of the season in the sense that it doesn't get it won't give players enough time to kind of get up and you know up and running and and practicing even um you know in 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 a bubble it was interesting to hear kind of joe conta talk about the fact that you know hearing this news it was a bit of a shock to the system in in her words and you know she was all kind of looking to kind of fly out to melbourne i think in mid-december be bedded in get practicing and and and, you know she was kind of quite simply saying look if we have to be in a bubble and and quarantine without being without access to courts without access to practice um there's no you know there's really no point in me turning up to your show no because i'm not i'm just not going to be able to to perform so another question is if you know if if it does if it does go ahead um you know in in january um and maybe it's kind of push back a week or so would they you know would there be player boycotts like you know we've seen at, at the us open and at, at the french open or you know the fact that you know maybe they're kind of wanting to push it back is so they can give themselves the the best opportunity to make sure that ever you know as many players can can play as possible yeah potentially i think that might be the reason for the for the delay but i i think i just i wouldn't want other events to be badly affected because of the you know all the kind of schedule change that would result i was kind of hoping maybe naively that we'd be able to follow a, a relatively normal schedule um for for next year but i mean i sh- well i assume that ao has to get played at some point because of they probably don't have the insurance to uh to cover it like wimbledon did and they've they've got to you know make it happen sooner you know eventually but yeah i don't know Maybe they wanted to push it back to March to give Roger Federer, you know, because Craig Dillian and Roger Federer yeah. are, you know, our best mates. Um, <laughs> they want to give you know, Federer as much uh, as much time as possible to to recover. Um, uh, but yeah, it is interesting because yeah, I mean, if if it does, I mean, we're talking in kind of hypotheticals now. But if it does get pushed back to March, what is genuinely what is going to fill? The, ca- the tennis calendar in January is is anything gonna gonna fill it? Would there be an extended off season? I I can't see there being an extended off season. We've just had I think players are still quite fresh given you know the amount of time they've had to kind of spend off court uh, you know this season. But I wonder whether you know what you know what if 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 there is a delay, what's gonna what what is gonna fill that void? Could you? Could you move the sunshine double to January? I'm not sure what the weather's like in California. Could you play them both on one site? Uh, yeah, it throws up a lot of it throws up a lot of sort of difficult questions, delicate questions that um, I think oh, tournament organisers are all kind of frantically trying to figure out at the moment. Yeah, I mean, why don't we just come back to the O2 and do like uh, <laughs> start of the year tour beginnings? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, there'll there'll be a stadium going free there, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes, and we'll keep everyone up to date uh, once we've got you know any more news. And fingers crossed, we'll be we'll be getting underway uh, out in Melbourne for the start of next year. But it, it may not to be. Uh, we will watch this space, um, and I guess well, Joel, that brings us on to, to to the end of our pod. Almost, we're going to be just covering a bit on our crowdfunding campaign, which is is launching very soon. Um, the page is going to go live, um, so if anyone is able to contribute to uh, our crowdfunder, this is the first year that we're doing it. Um, then we would be 
ever so grateful uh, for anything that can come our way to help us kind of support the podcast and to keep it going and to allow us to to go even further in 2021. Yeah, we are launching, as Kim said, we are launching our first crowdfunder campaign. And it really is to kind of help listeners feel part of the show um, supporting us, helping us thrive. And in order to, to do that, we've come up with four levels and rewards based on uh, the donation amount you could, you could give us. Um, we're obviously very appreciative of any sort of donation you'd be able to kind of uh, give us given, you know, the, the times and the situation that we're in. But we're going to be revealing Kim very excitingly the levels, uh, for our crowdfunder campaign along with the rewards at each level so we've got four levels and we're each going to take it in turns to reveal <laughs> reveal each each one with their reward kim we've been brainstorming this for like the last six months i'm i'm so excited we can now sort of announce it uh to to our listeners yeah so our first level of donation for um donations of 10 pounds or more is the passing shot rookie um and yeah joel came up with these titles so you know any any feedback can go to him for this one <laughs> no um yeah so this level you get a shout out on one of our 2021 shows uh so a thank you for for donating to us uh so that's our rookie our rookie level if you want to donate 20 pounds or more uh this level is our passing shot pro level so along with a shout out on a 2021 show uh we are going to be doing an exclusive backers only pro and above edition of the passing shot that we will send you um, as a link that won't be available on on apple podcast won't be available on spotify it will be exclusive to anyone who backs us at passing shot pro level and above we haven't determined the topic yet we'll probably figure that out next season but it will be something like a countdown it might be a debate we will probably brainstorm it but it'll be one of uh one of our sort of extra slice pods that we were kind of doing a bit more frequently during the uh during the pause so yeah it might be like a countdown might be a debate who knows but um yeah it will be an exclusive episode that will only be available to backers pro and above so 20 pounds or more and uh for the next level up we've got our passing shot champion level uh so this is for donations of 50 pounds or more um so we kind of go up with everything uh obviously you get a shout out on a 2021 show you will also receive the exclusive backers only uh, pro and above edition of um, passing shots. So one of our episodes, as Joel mentioned above, just exclusive for pro backers and above. And you also will get to nominate your very own individual player pick for one of our collector sets uh, that we do for Grand Slam. So you'll get to choose a player that you would like us to include in one of our collector set prediction challenges. So that could be your favourite player. It could be a top player. It could be someone that, no one really has a clue about um that's going to be in the draw obviously but you know you can go as niche as you like uh for that player pick so that's for um donations of 50 pounds or more and there are 12 of those um level kind of rewards going kim can i just say can i can i can i do one of those donations so i can get caruso salvatore (laughs) caruso as one of the player picks for collector set what about malik jazeria have you sort of binned him off for, for caruso I think qualifying draws are going to be a thing of the past in Grand oh, Slam next season. Yeah. So you I don't feel like he's going to have much draw. of a chance. 
yeah, yeah um, fair play <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so that is uh for anyone who would like to donate 50 pounds or more passing shot champ and our final level our top level is if you want to be a passing shot goat if you want to be passing shot greatest of all time level uh, and donate uh, to the show £100 or more, you will get all of the above that we've just mentioned, and you will be able to inspire Joel and Kim with a tennis topic of your choice for them to discuss and turn into your very own complete passing shot episode. So, for example, next season, things are happening in the tennis world, um, and you really want kind of our opinion, you want the fan opinion on the matter, Um you can get in touch with us and say, uh, look, Joel and Kim, I want you to talk about this topic and you'll get your very own episode um, that we would broadcast um, on Apple Music, on Spotify, but it will be very much your um, your episode. And uh, yeah, um, those, are our, those are our four levels. So Passing Shot Rookie, Passing Shot Pro, Passing Shot Champ, and then Passing Shot Goat. And... Just to clarify, so passing shot goat, um, we are offering that sort of unique package to have your form kind of your own episode. Uh, that has got four, um, that's got four that can be claimed. So, um, there can be 12 that can be claimed at passing shot champ. So 50 pounds or more. And then four can be claimed for 100 pounds or more for passing shot goat level status. Is that, you know, four because there's, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, <laughs> and Andy Murray. Or... Yeah, well, of, of course, of course it <laughs> is. Um, so, um, uh, so yeah, and um, we, you know, this is our, you know, this is very much a learning kind of experience for us. This is our very first crowdfunder campaign, so we're, you know, we're obviously very excited to um, to get it live. Um, it will be on crowdfunder, so I'm sure if you search the passing shot. Uh, tennis podcast crowdfunder 2021 it will come up but we'll make sure as well to put the link in the description of this podcast um and yeah we will be running the campaign as well through all of your season so you don't feel like you have to do it straight away it's going to be running um from it's going to be running from today all the way through um, December up till the start of the new season. So you've got plenty of time to think about it. Um, but yeah, we would really appreciate um, you kind of showing your support for the show um, through our, our crowdfunder campaign and help the voice of tennis fans thrive for the 2021 season. Absolutely. And you can, of course, donate your own amount of, of your own choosing. And as Joel mentioned um we are also completely aware of of the situation that we're in at the moment. So I'm really grateful for anything that um, can come our way so we can kind of put all that into the podcast and build on with the show and and make it better um, and improve and keep going and and really develop it. And um, yeah, so massive thank you in advance. Uh, It's uh, yeah, a big thing for us um, over the kind of, next well i guess the off season um but we, we aren't going to be completely off ourselves because we do have a couple of things lined up um uh, we're going to be doing one of our quizzes joel uh an end of season quiz um we might do a little world tour finals um throwback maybe a, a special Section, bonus round yeah. yeah feels right it feels right yeah 
And I think also like a highlights of the year show uh, potentially as well, uh, which will kind of be releasing in due course over the next couple of weeks or so to to keep keep the tennis to keep the tennis going in some way while yes. there's nothing to actually watch <laughs> yes uh yeah so we, yeah we we've got we've probably got two two podcasts left for this season this is our last podcast in terms of kind of catching up on on live tennis but yeah we're gonna have a i think our next episode will be one of our our, our world famous quizzes and i'm looking forward to it kim i'm probably gonna do terribly in it like mysterious player every mysterious player segment but um i'm gonna i'm gonna come in i'm gonna come in prepared um so i hope you can join us for that um in the meantime uh, make sure you do subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice whether that's apple Podcasts, spotify overcast Castbox, stitcher wherever you uh, listen to us make sure you hit that subscribe button so you stay up to date on the tennis world from the passing shot and if you have been enjoying listening to us over the course of this season and you want to support the show in terms of leaving us a rating then you can do so on apple podcasts yeah, we've had a few new racings uh, and reviews recently, haven't we, Joel? So massive thank you to those people for taking the time to give us a, a lovely review. Um, really does mean a lot to us. So thank you ever so much. And um, you can follow us also on social media if you don't already. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And you can contact us there at Passing Shop Pod. And if you'd like to drop us an email, you can do so as well. PassingShotPod at gmail.com. Yes, uh, do get in touch again. If you have any questions about the crowdfunder campaign, get in touch with us. I'm sure we will be able to um, help answer your queries. But for now, thanks for listening to The Passing Shot um, and our ATP Tour Finals catch-up pods. Thanks for listening to us uh, across the season. We've got a couple more left in us. We've got a quiz. We'll probably do an awards episode as well. So uh, look out for those ones. And hopefully we'll see you again soon. <laughs>